You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. This is your host, David Roscoe, and I'm here with the powerful but sweet and kind but strong John McLucas, pop producer and just overall great guy. That's great. I like that. <laughs> well, thank you. Also, hi. <laughs> I practiced it for hours before we started. <clears throat> I can feel it. <laughs> so, uh, John, for anyone in the audience who might not know who you are, can you give a quick sort of elevator pitch on who you are and what your story is and where you've been, where you are, where you're going? And I got to say that all quickly. <laughs> um, no, of course, of course. Uh, hello, I am John McLucas. I am a pop producer based out of Portland, Oregon. I have been producing now for about 12 years and... What started out as a curiosity of how people on YouTube were recording drums without it getting distorted on the camera audio has somehow spiraled into <laughs> into where we are today. And I would say probably the most the most relevant things as far as <clears throat> creatively what I look for and what I aim to do is I'm very big on the collaborative two-way street energy when it comes to the work that I do with any creative or artist. So I really work deeply to hear ideas and hear thoughts and uh, not not in a way of just like I'm going to do what you say but to hear what you're looking for and then to challenge you to find the best creative solution to what you're feeling and what you're looking for um, and that takes time that takes energy that takes uh, vulnerability and that's a lot of what I think I bring to the table when it comes to the the process of creating art is challenging people to find different parts of themselves and put that into a song and uh, be proud of it when it comes out. So I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. Totally. Yeah. Wow. That was fantastic. Um, yes. And um, so real quick to touch on the word vulnerability. That's something that, you know, we have not spent, you and I spent a long time talking with each other. But the last time that we hung out, I think we probably talked for nearly four hours. And I feel like I got to know you really well. Um, and before we sort of had that one-on-one -on -one four-hour conversation, we were sitting around a group, and I can't remember exactly what the question you posed was to the group, but it was something along the lines of, let's get emotional vibe check. Like, how's everyone feeling? And, you know, like, what's bothering you right now? And as far as I'm aware, at least half the people that were sitting around that table with us, this was at uh, NAM 2023, were people that you had never met before that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just, I was really, I picked up on that and I remembered it. And like, I don't think that's something that the average person would just throw out into a group of strangers. And I really admire it. And I think that sort of, you know, making people comfortable with being vulnerable on with you in conversation number one is such an amazing, I don't want to say skill, because that feels kind of gross, but like, attribute and personality trait. And that's just awesome. Well, thank you. I do. I do. It's interesting, because I although you you come into it saying it's not a skill, I would still say it's it's very adjacent. I think maybe the word skill makes it sound like planned and sinister, but it is something that like, <clears throat> you know, culturally men are not trained how to show up to a circle and like, and, and open with the heart and open with like, you know, like let's, let's open ourselves up a little bit here. So in that sense, there's been a lot of training and, and internal work to be able to show up to a circle like that. And I think that's also what makes it so special is it seems intangible, but like, not to hate on myself in my past, you know, my, my past self is like, 
I was pretty disassociative little 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 guy, you know, going out here, like not in touch with himself at all. I know this is not where we expected this this conversation start to go, but I think there's an interesting conversation, you know, uh, just lightly touching on like uh, that there's no cultural room for emotions at the table, especially when it comes into like hustle industries and men. So I like opening with that, where it clearly made most of them very uncomfortable. To, to even at the thought of listing an emotion that they're feeling, it, it was it was terrifying. And so I'm like, that's why I do it. <laughs> I need, yeah. I need, I need you to remember that if somebody asked you an emotion you're feeling, that was terrifying. And then like that, maybe can be the catalyst for for something down the line. Totally, yeah. And also, I think if you feel that way, a pretty valid response is, I'm feeling scared to answer this question in front of a bunch of strangers. And because I feel that way, that means X, or that tells me X. Yeah. But also to go back to not, this isn't the direction we expected the conversation (laughs) start to go. I don't go into any conversation with you expecting it to go in a certain direction. I know, I, I know how you how you work, and I know that we're going to go somewhere that is fun and passionate and informative and intelligent, and that's what makes a great conversation. So, no complaints from me. I appreciate it, man. Totally, yeah. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about you know? Your journey. Um, I know that you spent at least a year, it might be more, sort of living a nomadic lifestyle in a van, producing remotely from that van. And I think that's something that people will be really interested to hear about. And, you know, when you decided to settle down, what made you choose Portland? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I did one of the weirdest things in this day and age. I did a massive life change and I didn't document it very well online. And <laughs> that was done very intentionally. So to expand on what David's talking about, I left Europe, not Europe. Oh my gosh. Uh, LA. What? Wow. I want to go to Europe. <laughs> that, that, that is, uh, <laughs> wow. Interesting. Um, so <laughs> Wait, so LA isn't in Europe? <sighs> You're thinking, I can't think of, you're thinking of Lithuania, LA. I'm, oh, I'm talking about Los right. Angeles. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, through the pandemic, you know, right, we, we just kind of had that same thing. We're like, what are we doing here? And then I had already been kind of doing more remote work since before COVID. So once Michelle got a remote job, it was like, what, what are we doing here? Let's, what about not being here for a change? And I was really comfortable producing remotely. I'm very comfortable on the Slate VSX headphones, which is, you know, what I do all of my work on, every single thing I do. And I was like, wait, let begin to leave now. Why don't we sell everything and store some stuff at my folks' house and then go travel the country in a Kia Soul with our cat and just take off. So uh, that's what we did. We started it. We did a trial two-month run in uh, August, you know, September to November, then right after the holidays, we jetted out and did the entire country, you know, not every state, but like 10 and a half full months on the road. So of 2022, 2022. Okay. So LA all the way to North Carolina, all the way up to, you know, Manhattan and Buffalo, and then slowly meandered all the way to Toronto, uh, not, not, to, not Toronto, uh, Vancouver, Canada, and then all the way back down. So we like did almost an entire rectangle with a lot of wiggles, Amazing, but it was great. And then at the same time, we got to coordinate to arrive on the trail to like five different artists and then a bunch of others just flew out for sessions. So it was a really great journey where we would come to a city and then be like, Hey, let's go meet this person that I've never met. And then two cities later, somebody's flying into town and you know, and then a week later, somebody local is coming in for a session. And it was really, really cool to be able to meet people where they're at, just enjoy new experiences and, and to have set myself up for this, like, experience by skewing my my workflow to it i have a two octave keyboard and vsx headphones on my laptop that was it and uh, we, we left uh and then we ultimately we knew this was going to be a year this is not like a commitment forever kind of a thing so sure we wanted to chill out for a little bit and portland's kind of like california for less money vibes and <laughs> it's close enough i have so many couches to crash on i've gone once already i'm going to go at least one more time this year and it seemed like the right move to enjoy less hustle like 
everybody here joke my closest friend here jokes about working on Fridays and how that shouldn't be a thing. It's like I had to work for two hours today. It was a Friday. What do you mean? You work Fridays? You know <laughs> right? I'm like, this is the energy I need more of. I don't need to be fueled by hustle. It's already baked into the pipes of my brain. So yeah. That energy was was really nice and we get to live somewhere beautiful and new and nice and all that good stuff for pennies, pennies on the dollar compared to what we would have to pay to do it in LA. So totally. that's where we are now. And, um, it's been, it's been great just working remotely sitting here on this at my living room, you know, just doing what I got to do. Amazing. Sweet. I guess you sort of went on a producer tour. I was not in a space where I wanted to create content, but if it was, I would have called it that. Yes. Cause it was a producer yeah. tour. There was maybe totally. five artists that we routed to, and then another, I think, seven people flew out to me that year for sessions. So it was kind of like a tour. That's sweet. What was uh? What would you say your favorite city was besides Portland? Because clearly the one you chose to live in is probably your favorite. <laughs> Funny enough, we actually didn't visit Portland on our road trip. Oh, we didn't have time. We didn't. We didn't plan. We didn't plan to love Seattle as much as we did. But the where we were living was very similar to where we are now, vibe wise, like neighborhood wise. And I was like, yo you know what's like this, but 30% cheaper? <laughs> this area. And yeah. uh, we flew up for one night in January. And I was like, I promise you're going to love it. It's sick. We flew up for one night, toured 10 apartments, applied to one on the flight back, you know, on the, on the way to the airport back. So we, we made that move pretty, pretty quickly. Sweet. But I would say, I think my favorite, it's either like Chicago or Vancouver, Canada, because I loved totally. in Vancouver. Like you're so close to just intense delicious nature so startlingly close uh, at times oh yeah i mean vancouver island is one of the most beautiful places in the world oh it's unbelievable yeah. disgusting it's great <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> and then also i feel like chicago was a great blend of like deep city energy and there's just it's so sprawling that there's you can kind of get whatever you want out of it and it felt cleaner than la but most cities feel cleaner la's busted <laughs> i'm biased i'm yeah. super biased. can you tell i'm biased <laughs> Well, I mean, on, on cleaner cities in LA, uh, Philadelphia would like a word with you, <laughs> but no, I, yeah, both of those cities are fantastic. And to be honest, I don't have extensive experience in either of them. I have them through like traditional touring. I used to be a tour manager. And so a lot of my opinions on cities is formulated by how nice was the green room? Did I eat good food? was my hotel clean, which is a horrible way to evaluate a city. But that's what I experienced. And I can't help myself with my feelings. But I, yeah, I absolutely loved Vancouver. Can't wait to go back and actually experience the city and not just run around trying to do as much as I can and stuff poutine in my mouth before a show. But yeah, it's, they're both great places. Good choices. Amen. I want to get into sort of your philosophies on how you approach production, because for anyone who doesn't know, like if you go on John's website, there are, there's a lot more to read than a typical producer's website. And it's very intentional and it's well-written and it's beautiful. Um, and I think it does a really good job expressing who you are and the sort of nature that you bring to, to the world of production and, you know, give people a small taste of what a session with you might be like. So I'd love to hear sort of your approach to producing with emotion, which is not something that I stole from your website, but just a phrase that I have now assigned to you. So <laughs> feel free to edit or revise that as well if you want. Yeah, I, I dig it. I dig it. We'll keep it. We'll keep it. Okay. I think I think it's it's a few things. Okay, so <laughs> he's opened the he's opened the can of worms. He must now deal with the worms. <laughs> just, just throw a bunch of worms at you. Um, okay, that, that would be a... You'd need a strong arm. I'm far away from you right now. <laughs> Do not oh doubt gosh. the power of an opened can of worms. Okay, so back to philosophy. Let me get wise again. The I think the there's a few ways I'd like to sum it up and maybe a few different like approaches and then I can maybe then zoom in to what that might look like. So I don't know if all producers think like this. Maybe they do. Maybe they, I, I don't, I don't talk to a lot of producers, maybe as many as I should. So I just have my own th thoughts and then the, there they are. Um, I really do see myself as purely a translator of intention for a song. 
okay. I have my own way that I do it. Like, like I, I, that's innate. I can't help that there's some John characteristics across the stuff I do. That's me being a hu- human being, flows and stuff. But like, yeah. as best as I can, I really, really want it to be as close to, I thought of something in my head. Holy crap, this is even better than I could have imagined in every way possible. Like I, I have become so, and it sounds like jaded, but it's just like, I just don't have an ego about it. Like I'm just so unattached to my ideas being right. Although I think I know where the thing needs to go and then we work through it if that's not the case, but I just want them deeply happy with the song and the story that they want to tell. And that approach kind of, you know, comes out in like the, the songs we talk about the, the way that it, breeds comfort in like a recording session, the way that it breeds their ability to be vulnerable and their openness to speak up when like something's not working. And there's just like a lot of, I feel like soft things along the way. And like a lot of kind of like emphasizing upfront how much I crave hearing what their soul is, is like speaking to them because then I can do my best translation possible when, when I receive that feedback from them. And I guess more tangibly, that looks like when we do like our first session, like just like essentially just like having a digital beer or maybe a real beer and like talking about music. It's just like a lot of like reminding them like, Hey, like I'm, I I like to set the precedent a lot of time for a session. So I'm, I might start it by saying like, Hey, I want to set the intention for the session and say like, I am really honored that you trust me to tell this story about your relationship with your mother and how difficult that's been for you. My goal here is to help you tell it the best that I can, and we're gonna see how that looks. I can look a lot of different ways, that's why we're here together, and I've got your back. I, I crave your feedback, I crave hearing what clicks and what doesn't click, because I can get us really close, but sometimes I just need to hear those couple of things, and even if you don't know what it looks like, even if you, all you can say is, it tastes a little diluted, can we make it richer? That is insight for me to translate. I just need to know what comes to your mind instinctually. And then I can help translate that into sounds. So totally like it's, it's a lot of like laying that kind of a foundation early on. And I think like, obviously like the website does that, but the phone calls I have, you know, like, like it, it, it kind of all leads up to that. But then especially in those first couple of hangs, like I need to make sure they understand like how I want it to go. So they're ready to be like, oh, John, I just hate that snap. Like, and I'm just, you know, like, oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. I thank you for telling me. Let's look at some other sounds together. And then we just go through it. So I think it has a lot to do with that. So uh, hopefully how it looks like is like a lot of I- encouragement, love, empathy, understanding, and safety. And they'll give me the energy that I need to then find the right stuff to put in the song or the right mixed move to make or the, the next, you know, the, the crunch that, that needs to be right there. Is that a lame answer or is that a good answer? I don't know. That's a fantastic answer. Okay, sick. <laughs> Am I right to assume that, you know, because when I'm thinking about this, obviously all of this is going to turn around and influence the artist's perception of you and your brand, so to speak. Can you tell I've been working on a branding course for the last yeah. four weeks? Um, but I imagine it also, you know, creating that really like open, safe environment that, you know, vulnerability and expressing feelings is encouraged. I imagine that also allows the artist to really open up and get their best takes of, you know, their portion that you can you can produce all day, but if the vocal take isn't there, you can only do so much with it. And I imagine that that helps with that a lot. Am I am I right in thinking so? Oh yeah, it's an upward spiral of like oh, it, it, it's just everything that that the song needs when people are comfortable. Performance idea like better ideas come out when people are comfortable too. Of course. So I have a yeah. vested interest in them bringing me their best energy, <laughs> however that looks. Yeah, and the sort of inachievable or inachievable feeling of, you know, there's a lot of times when maybe it's a younger artist that comes in to work and they feel like their opinions aren't worthy of being spoken. And that is only going to hold back the song and their feelings about themselves and by extension you. So, you know, if they come in and they know that this is an environment where it is your job to translate their vision, as you said, then they're going to be much more willing to speak up when something 
isn't in line with their vision. If they didn't do that, then they just have a song that probably sounds great. It's probably very well produced, but it's not the song that they heard in their head before they came into the studio with you. Exactly. And then that's, yeah, like it's everything, man. They just got to feel the love. Feel like totally in the simplest way. And, And then at the same time, then we get into like when they are feeding me something to translate and I'm confident there's a better solution to a direction of a song. It's like they think this section should dip and I think it should bang. (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, yeah. those kinds of things too. And then there's an entire, you know, art form to disagree gracefully. And um, yeah, just an art form to disagree gracefully showing up with that too. So, it, you know, I, I'm only saying that because I feel like there's some like Gen X guy who's jaded in cargo pants. He He's he's smoking, sitting outside of his studio, listening to this podcast. Before he goes in for a session, he's like, this, this liberal snowflake only caring about their feelings what about a great song it's like no i'm a hundred percent i'm on both teams but i'm it's also my job to if i think that they're off i'm not going to tell them that's dumb we're going to do this it's like i'm going to spend an hour working with them to understand maybe not they're not actually looking for the section to dip down but they feel like there's too much going on in this current section so they need a breath like and that's usually how it is like if there's an idea disagreement instead of just taking the note and be like, I will do this. Oh, that is bad. It's like, Hey, I'm not really resonating with that right now. Like, could you, could you tell me what's like bringing you into that? I'm like, I'm going to be curious about their perspective and challenge your perspective and then try to extrapolate things out of it and be like, Oh, is it possible that like, let me, let me just try something. Mute, 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 playback. Oh, ghost. Okay. Yeah. It does need to build next. It's like, okay, great. So you just maybe pull back the harmonies. Like there's, there's a million different ways that it happens, but I hold both like the, the artist and the song, in equal regard. So if, if I don't think one's being served, I need to figure out how to resolve that collaboratively with them and the song together to get everybody on the same page. Cause I, I'm not going to steamroll people, but I'm also not going to like let them ruin, you know, like, like what I perceive to be a ruining of a section. I'm going to stand up for the song itself too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think on a bigger scope level, this whole sort of approach and attitude you have about this also really fosters and supports the reason that I imagine 99% of us all got into the music industry for, which is making cool music or being a part of the creation of really cool music that you're passionate about, having fun, not feeling like you're, you know, working at a job that's you know, some dead-end job that's not going to bring you any satisfaction in your outside life. And I think as, you know, between hustle culture and a recession right now and all the other tech variables in this industry, it's, I imagine it's pretty easy to get, to get, like, to lose that. And then you're the jaded Gen X guy who's, you know, just... (laughs) <laughs> who doesn't doesn't see the the light at the end of the industry, so to speak. And I think that's super important. And if we're not passionate about what we're doing, then one, we're not going to do as good of a job at it. Two, we're not going to get fulfillment out of it. And three, we probably won't make as much money doing it either. And at the end of the day, money is kind of important when you live in America. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. Well, thank you. I imagine this answer is going to be different than I expect, but I'm really curious, what does like a day in the studio with you look like? What is your day-to-day? What is the process? How long does it take to do a song with an artist with you? Ooh, well, okay, I'll give you two different answers because <laughs> cool. it depends, uh, of course. There's three ways it would go down, but but the first two are pretty similar. Like, like, like we're going to make the track separate, come together for the vocal, finish the rest of it remotely. So the way that the majority of the time it starts remotely is like, you know, we'll get together at least once or twice, kind of just like hang out, talk about music, talk about the story, just kind of get to a point where you feel really comfortable about me having absorbed the energy, the direction, things like that. And then usually on the next call, I will work with them live, like remotely. And we're kind of building out, getting a few elements or like kind of what I call a banger for together so just like a four bar loop something that feels good maybe it's you know and i'm not worried about it being the perfect kick sample i'm not worried about it being the 
right snare. It's R and B ish, you know, like good enough. Like, like just totally. trying to move, trying to build mostly like a chord foundation, a little underlick, you know, a like counter melody, a little bit of a groove bass line. Well, you know, whatever the genre is calling for too, whatever totally. that looks like. I'm going to uh, be stealing banger four. Banger four, yeah, please do. Yeah, um, thank you very much. That's the hardest part. I think of the entire process, although it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't take that long, but it's more like I used to do this too. I know a lot of people do this. Will it just kind of like produce completely on their own and then be like, Hey thoughts. And, and like most of the time that honestly went well, but I've also found different things when like I'm vibing off their energy or I play a chord. Like I was on a call, I pulled up a piano to play something different. I thought I was playing in the normal register of the piano, but I played, it was like pitched down an octave on the keyboard. So it sounded fucking crazy because it was F major seven, but it was like the lowest one you could play oh, on the piano. And the artist is like, whoa, that's, that's cool. What, what's going on? And, and like, cause it was enough to kind of tell the chords. And then I was like, okay, um, what about this? You know, then I played like a E minor seven first inversion and then, you know, and then we kind of like, uh, we I didn't just do it in all four chords. Perfect. You know, but we, we found some chords in a register and in a use of an instrument I would have never done and it happens all the time like I, I have a bunch of guitar ideas i'm gonna show somebody live i want to see how they react i want to see how they respond to it are they excited is it are they not excited and just, all those things so i really like to do that on a call and we're like happy with this banger for kind of sit with it for a few days and then if we're happy with it i'll kind of then go in and like refine it and develop it usually on my own because it's just like kick 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 you know <laughs> finding the shapes and the the stuff like that and build up maybe the chorus and coming into the chorus and then we're meeting every single week in sessions together. So you know, every Wednesday at 2 p.m., we're going to sit down, talk about updates, ideas that they have. Maybe we're kind of then working on the track together. And then we'll kind of know what I'm also then going to continue to develop before the next session on Wednesday. So that way, like, there's always stuff to talk about. There's always progress happening. It's not just like, I'll let you know when it's you know happening. It's like, nope, I'm going to get something done productive in the next five days for the track. And then I'll see you Wednesday. And it's really great because then like there's a lot of that collaborative energy. If something's off, we can sort it out live. Usually it's pretty simple. And then I just kind of build out more ideas with them or I run something by them that I'm not sure about. If I'm like, okay, so this bridge, oh, thoughts on this or this, you know, like just, just, just these chords for this dramatic shift. So we'll kind of repeat that. And then typically if they're going to come out in person, uh, they've already booked tickets about six weeks ahead. And that's like a very generous amount of time, but you know, Every once in a while, I have some misses, you know, and it just, or we're just like, hey, let's scrap all of this except this piano. Rebuild. So six weeks is like safe where we're, we're good. We're good to go. And also this also depends on people's like lifestyles, what kind of flexibility they have with time off and stuff like that. And then they'll fly out for a vocal day. Uh, we'll spend anywhere from like a eight to 12 hours doing cutting vocal all the layers, all the stuff like that. Sometimes depending on their comfort level, I'll also prepare harmonies ahead of time. Like I'll sit down, I'll do all the vocal arranging from their demo vocal, or I'll do it in like piano MIDI roll, build background stacks, everything. And then we're just listening one at a time. I have them sing through it, get the layers I need, coach them through the performance, stack it all up together. And then we meet back probably I think usually two weeks after. So I have time to get my edit back, do a full, do a mix. And usually two sessions later, we're done. So that in general is like an eight week process eight to 10. Okay. Obviously they do it remotely. That's when usually there's a lot more waiting because we're like, Oh, we're recording this weekend. And I'm like three weeks later, hello, you said you wanted it to come out in four days. Now, <laughs> like, the original release date yeah, is tomorrow. I'm assuming the vocals are not done. This is fine. <laughs> yep. But could you let me know when we're thinking, sir? Otherwise, it might be a minute. That is the story of my life right there. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that sentence. I've, I've also gotten to a point where like, I'll tell people when I like, won't let them record on their own. Like when, when it's like, it's very important that you're physically with me. Some people very experienced, go do your thing. You know, I, I, sometimes I'm just like, I'll just add two harmonies to, to what maybe, and then I'll have them, Hey, can you sing this and this add these two things? But a lot of times like that's a, that's a high bar to pass to, for me where I'm like, I don't, you go do your thing. Sometimes it's like, Hey, let's just hop on a zoom call for an hour. I just need to tell you about a couple of things you're doing. Most of the time, it's like, I want you here. And the, and the experience of it, too, is like so much more enjoyable for them versus doing it remotely. Um, the other way that it happens is sometimes it's going to be done like more fully in person. So they'll come in with like a song demo and we'll just have a 
like a day to physically together and we'll do the whole instrumental, you know, 80% done in that first day and then we'll record the vocal the next day. And not the goal is not to have the instrumental as polished and done as typically when we have like a six week time frame, but it's like, sounds pretty good. And then maybe I'm not like uber confident on my sound design choices, <laughs> but it's fine. If I didn't say anything, they probably would have assumed I had left it. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, yeah. You just mixed it right. I'm like, no, I changed that kick. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so that's the other way that it'll happen too. And that just comes down to, yeah, like what logistically we can make happen for people. Because I literally cannot sit on eight hours for Zoom. You know, like, it's like. Totally. I, I cry. So. Uh, but it sounds like the uh, very similar amount of your attention that either of them are getting. Just the delivery of that attention is different instead of a full day it's you know eight weeks of an hour or so a week yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna parse it out and um and then at the same time too sometimes there's people where i know they can be overthinkers so i don't want them to have eight weeks and and for their own good and then there's people who i know are you know produce good producers in their own right so it's good for them to have eight weeks because they're gonna take it and then play with some ideas too so like i'm also kind of vibing the flow off of what i feel will best help the song and like maybe their perspective or their tendencies where if they're like on their, our first conversation, they're like, yeah, I'm always like second guessing stuff and tweaking it till, till the end of time. It's like, great. I'll see you for an instrumental day the day before we cut vocals. <laughs> yeah. You are not, totally. we're not giving you six weeks. Nope. And then of course I'm going to tweak it and like, we're still going to work on it. But like the vast majority of decisions got made when they were excited. And then I can remind them of that when I was like, do you remember when you screamed when that idea happened? All right. So how loud did you scream when you came up with this totally different idea? Oh, you did not scream. Interesting. So one of these ideas like got you jacked and like, and then I'm going to try to like way more nuance than that, but, um, totally. Yeah. Th that's, th that's in general how it's going to go. It's a good time. I think, I think they're all good hangs. I'd like to think I'm tolerable. I would agree that your baseline tolerable. Minimally. Yeah. Okay to handle in a public setting. Um, no, you're wonderful. I love you. Um, so, and then there's, you know, we've been talking for a while here and really we've only touched on a portion of what it is you do in your day-to-day -day professional career. So let's talk about the content creator side of things. Yeah. And, you know, like when you go on your website, it says pop producer, content creator. So that's clearly important to you and something that you take very seriously. So I'd love to hear how you got into doing that as a weird question, because if you're not creating some sort of content in some way, you're probably either unsuccessful or Bob Clear Mountain. Yeah, so I'd love to hear sort of like your approach, your thoughts, and how you found success doing that. Well, I guess maybe, maybe a spot to start too is like, it's definitely not for everybody, but what I try to tell them is like, you got to meet people somehow, whether it's in person, online, you want a Twitch stream and you love streaming on Twitch, if it's TikTokies, if it's you are obsessed with like the local scene and the energy and the people you meet there, you just got to meet people. So I don't particularly like to go out a ton. Like I, do, I like to go out, but I don't know, like, like I have a limit to it. So I'd, I'd rather do this as a way to meet people. So I feel like people get like really wrapped up in it being something that they need to do. And it's like, I try to deter people from doing it. Because the people who want to do it will do it regardless. But it's like, just whatever it is to meet people, that's the goal. But if you have the best song in the world, the best track, the best lyric, and nobody knows you at all, it's going to be very hard to have anything happen. So you could digitally shake hands. You could physically shake hands. Up to you. I just chose the digital one. That's, I mean, just like philosophically, I think that's that's like the important bit of it to me. I think I got it. Funny enough, I was like doing it already. And my buddy was like, yo, you remind me of like Gary V. He's like doing content stuff. And oh, first of all, that was flattering. But I was like, oh, yo, this guy's, you know, I have my own beast with him. But, you know, like from the content end, I was like, okay, he's he really believes in this stuff too. And I've been pretty committed to it ever since. Like, again, if I don't keep meeting people, who cares? Absolutely. Nothing matters. So it's just almost like in a, it's like brushing my teeth. If I'm not meeting new people, then I feel like stagnant in some way. And I think the, the part that I've always loved about it is kind of like I put in my like Instagram bio where it's like, you're, you know, you're always one song away. It's like, you're always, you know, one post away from having your life change. But same thing like going to one local event, right? You're like one like gig 
that you go hang at away from meeting the tour manager who then remembers that, you know, when the band needs a guitarist, you're like the person that come, he comes to mind. And then now you're on tour playing theaters and, you know, shit. Like it's the same exact same thing, but just on the internet. So that's what I love about it too. Like so many cool opportunities, so many cool companies, brands, artists, other producers, uh, stuff like that. I think I met James through the internet too. And then by proxy, I physically met you first, but you know, like, kind of knew of each other peripherally uh, from the internet. So that, that's what I love most is like the possibilities are like truly limitless if you're willing to be really unattached to any one thing and just totally go for it. And with the right combination of willpower, luck, and good content, it can also turn, turn into another revenue stream for you. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So you say it's sort of like brushing your teeth is it something that you have like a good sort of system down for in your actually creating the content itself, the filming and editing, et cetera? Do you have that process like fairly automated and regimented? It is very unregimented, <laughs> okay. but that surprises me. It's a, well, I mean, I think unregimented for me because it's evolved a lot over time. <laughs> I think sure in the, era of like post, 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 which I mean, in many ways it still is. I was a lot more regimented. It was only a year ago where my assistant was posting 20 TikToks a week. That was regimented yeah. and it was working. But one thing I realized that made it stop working, and this is this is soft anecdotal nonsense, like maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong, but me posting less and posting higher quality content in general has done a lot more for me than kind of, and, and again, it's not like Gary saying this now, but like four or five years ago, it's just like, you need to make 10 reels, you know, 10 TikToks a day, like, ten, you know, 10 post 10 times Instagram. And that's still a great strategy. I'm sure for a lot of companies, but probably people that do it, but I've also found that's worked well for me and is a lot less stressful posting once to twice a week and making it fucking clean and, yeah. and like being able to have that video be representative of everything I want to communicate about me versus like, okay, well, here, here's, here's a beat. I'm just jamming out. What's up thoughts? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm spending like 20 to 30 minutes on the hook and the first sentence in the description for my reels and TikToks now. And that's been like the last six and the numbers are very evidently showing that I'm right with this experiment at least. This is a small scale, but I, sure. I used to be really fixated on like, I need to do five a week and I had my editor cranking them out and we were doing them and I just like, these numbers suck because I'm just like literally looking at, staring at my Pro Tools screen, like looking for a plugin to talk about. And I was so concerned about volume that I wasn't concerned about connecting and storytelling and all the more important things. And like, yes, I could like scale this up to do more. Um, but the promise I made to myself like three weeks ago is that this these, like these next, I have it in my calendar. There's a dude, you know, uh, check in with yourself. This, this new thesis is like, what if I was actually just jacked up about every single thing I published? And that's a very hard thing to say for 99% of people who listen to this, because what's going to happen is they're going to be like, Oh, well, you know, it's not perfect. It's like, I'm not, it, it's really hard. Cause then you're battling like the perf the perfectionist crap that people have. And, and it's not that for me at all. It's, it's just to say, like, I could just sit right here at my laptop, play the track back out of the speakers of my laptop, and post it. And that worked great on Facebook in 2016. But the hypothesis is with so many people obliterating these platforms with so much volume, the one thing that's helped in this last three weeks has been the quality of the content. So I would rather post a couple times a week, once a week, just like totally. something really compelling versus I have spent so much of my time staring at my doll, trying to find something to talk about and then, and then finding a hook for it. But it's like, Oh, that's an incredible music moment. And then I posted this thing where I, I made it to be honest, a fake text conversation and I screenshotted it as the hook. Nice. Yeah. Oh my God, that last course <laughs> is insane. And then I'm like, people won't be able to you know, take it when they hear it. And then like, right. And then I play the, play the bit and I'm like, that made me smile and I'm excited to post it and I'm excited to write copy for it. And I'm excited to tell the, tell the story around it. And like that has connected so much more than me being like obsessed with optimization for the sake of volume. I'm obsessed with like having the good workflow, like using the same apps and I like kind of, I mean, definitely have like a, you know, I banged out four yesterday 
because I'm just like, all right, I got, you know, I booked myself 90 minutes. We're going to sketch out four of them, film them. Two of them have to be really low effort. Like, like one is me dancing for 20 seconds to a loop I made. And it's like, um, somebody told me if love broke in my door and, you know, ordered me to make a song that he would, he would totally write to this. Like, like some stupid, like, like, uh, Somebody told me if love was on the death row and he needed a track to sing to, this would be the one, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, totally. like, but like it take, it's not easy to come up with 20 of those and, and not have them be redundant. So I'm just like, I'm settling for quality right now and maybe I want to scale it up or like maybe I'm cool with not because the results have spoke, spoken for themselves. The amount of people I'm talking to, the, 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 the kinds of opportunities that have come across my desk in the last three weeks are terrifyingly good for the lack of volume for the content. Amazing. And that's, that's also the last, obviously if I was doing this and it was like tanking and nothing was going on, I, I would have a different feeling, but like, that's a, that's a little bit of the thesis. Totally. So like the, the, the process is pretty much like once a week I come up with at least two ideas. I had four just that came out of me. So I was like, great. Uh, half of them have to be low effort. So like, yeah, just me dancing to a track, coming up with something funny to say, maybe come up with four funny sentences. And then it's me staring at the camera with my headphones on. And it's a voiceover of me going, don't you fucking dare let your dumb inner self stop you from creating something today. You dumb little shit. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's that like, right. Like that, that's a, fu- that's a, that's actually hilarious. That's, I'm going to write that down. That is good. Right. But like, like I want to be excited about the stuff I'm making versus like, I, I've done so many years of like, how do I make one YouTube video that I can siphon the most things out of? And, and that has left me so unfulfilled and I would rather go for that, this new kind of a thesis for now. And hopefully it works. Because it totally may not. Totally. And then I'll eat my words and I'll be like back to the <laughs> back to my old ways. <clears throat> well, and I think one thing to touch on all of this that you didn't mention is while you're doing all of this and it is showing on the numbers side too, there's the intangible of this new method of quality over quantity is more authentically you than just pumping out a bunch of content to make it. And like, I mean, for example, you know, I think last time we spoke, you were telling me that you are taking on fewer projects this year than last year in an effort to really kick ass on the ones that you're taking on and, and really, you know, give it your, your full heart. And that, even if it's not something that your audience can pinpoint or see tangibly, it is something that they will that will sort of influence their gut feeling about you and it's like wow i don't i don't see john on my feed as often but every time i do it's really compelling and i stick around and it makes me feel good and i can tell he's having fun making the content and that's huge yeah like the people feel it yeah and to even add to this too the personality is what matter like the energy like pretty much what you're saying it's like i think what i think what happens is people there's like I've considered if I really didn't care about my own energy, I would make an entire video essay on the social media short form content creator turned course course creator funnel where, <laughs> where <laughs> we, we, we've seen this wave of people who just blew up on short form vertical content uh, go through the same pipeline of development where it's an obsession with like growth. It's an obsession with like monetizing with numbers and all these people hate their lives. I've never spoken to one single person who... Actually, well, there is, but like in an effort to, I guess, not point to one person and by proxy point everybody out, it's, it's a collective issue <laughs> in that world where people are like so fixated on, on cranking out just like the most generic tips about this or that. And the issue is like you come in out and out of fashion very fast. You, you can. I've watched as many people do well as I have like have 15 minutes of algorithm juice and then they feel so lost and it's like you stole their child from them. And they feel yeah. decimated um, because there's so much worry about like they don't have time to inject as much like personality or fun or like joy into it. It, it becomes a job and then people feel it and they tune out. And that's what happened to me, too. Like because right. I watched it. and I was like, I don't even like this anymore. I don't even like watching this. I don't like making it. I don't like thinking about it. That's why I didn't do the whole producer tour thing. I was like, this is going to be my right. big, this is going to be a big explosive series of content. I did some, it went good. It's cool. But like, it's twisted. That's not, then what am I doing? <laughs> like Absolutely. The, the, the goal is not to maximize the amount of content I make. It's like, for me at this point, it's to, ma- it's to make the greatest fucking songs I can. So 
I'm looking for minimum effective dose, you know, that I can, that I can do or like bring an editor into, but not worry about like, I've done 10 TikToks a week. Now, how do I do 18? I'm good. I'm happy. I'm living. Absolutely. And if the magic, no one really knows what it's doing, TikTok algorithm is deciding that what you're doing right now is it likes it and it wants to push it, then hell yeah, run with that until... Until t- the TikTok gods say, oh, no more, John. Go back to go back to slaving away for us. Well, amazing. I think I just have one more question, topic I want to get in with you here. We're, you know, getting close to an hour. Question for you, we ask everyone at the end of the show, and you've probably been asked this question the first time you were on the show. It is, can you give a sort of state of the union on the music industry? What's your take on where the industry is at right now, where do you think it's heading, and do you think where it's heading is is good? Are you overall thumbs up or otherwise? I'm overall like big thumbs up. I think Atmos is underwhelming. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through some hot takes. Let's, let's run through some hot takes. I think Atmos is super cool sometimes, but like like I sat in the car and, it, and obviously I'm not going to say this to the person who's like excited about the technology. They're not going to hear this. And even it's fine. <laughs> they don't care. They have big people buying into it. So they don't give a shit about my opinion. There's no way it fucking matters once you're driving this car. Like you can, be, it's, it, it, it's like a botched Atmos already once you're in the vehicle. Like it's, it's just wigglier. It's barely, <laughs> it's barely more intriguing. Mid as fuck, two out of 10 Dolby Atmos in a car. And they're trying to make it like, Look, it could be applicable. Are you telling me that I'm driving 75 miles down the road and then I'm like, oh, that vocal's behind my head. Like, I'm just not seeing that excitement because I didn't have that excitement sitting still and hearing Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Like, wow, the trumpet was kind of a little backer. That was fun. But like, it's not, it's not blowing my balls off. And I know essentially like the platforms are going to start racing to, you know, make theirs more cool. But I just don't. It's going to have its place in like VR. It's going to have its place in, in some forms of tech, but yeah, cinema for sure. Yeah. But like mid, mid, mid innovation, I'm, you know, eh, that's my take on that. And that's on the industry as a whole overall thumbs up though. (laughs) Overall thumbs up. I'm fascinated by the stuff going on with AI. I think because we have a lot of crusty incumbent unwiped anuses that lead this industry, I think (laughs) they're going to be way too slow on the, on the buck of like picking this stuff up and embracing it. Like I had a call today with a company that's like, Hey, what if we can make sick R and B, you know, sick pop chord progression ideas and just like a synth. And then like you work with that or another company that I'm going to work with that does a drum sample generation, tweaking an existing one shot. You feed it, you know, like, cool. You don't have to, but like, it's, it's, it feels like when people are like the internet's a fad where it's like, "Mm." this is where the industry is heading. We have no say in it really. Let's jump on the boat. There's already a half million AI songs, like songs that use some form of AI coming out every week. It's absolutely changed the way that people are making music and people can just like look at it and go like, oh no, scare, scare, poo, poo. Or like we can just like see what's cool about the tool. Like, oh shit, did that cut down on like my sound searching time? Or like what what are ways I can use this to make my shit better? So I like where a lot of this stuff is going. I think it continues to challenge the aforementioned crusty incumbents. And I love that. I love when like the old guard is challenged and has to face their lack of innovation. So that's what I'm excited about. And I think what's also cool, like just as a, it's AI or not, but like really with the advent of the internet and like computer production is like answering the question, what does like meaty cellos with like a distorted breakbeat sound like? before you had a laptop was not a question you could answer really. I'm sure if you had like the right, the, the right keyboard, you could plug it into your, you know, like you could like get it into your a track. If you were Hans Zimmer, you could answer yeah, that yeah. question, but we're not Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah. And I like that. That's a question that can be answered now with technology pretty quickly. Like you could draft something out and be like, like, why wouldn't that be sick as fuck? And then you like put a tremolo on the cellos and, and then add like a flanger and like, and I've kind of made a new genre. Like that's what's really cool about where music is and where pop is specifically is like pop literally now just means catchy, catchy, probably Mm -hmm. under four minutes, but I don't know. Ethel Kane's kind of fucking us up on that. Like, yeah, but I mean, we have, we have Phoebe Bridgers and, and Billie Eilish to thank for that. In my opinion. Yeah. We're in a great era of storytelling pop again. Yeah. And I'm glad to be here and I'll be sad when it ends, but overall, 
I feel very positive about it. And I just, I like seeing people sweat <laughs> when new stuff comes out. It's fun. Amazing. Boom. You did it. <laughs> Boom. Podcast recorded. Um, no, but I, seriously, John, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us and, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of how you look at all of this. I mean, we got into a lot, but I think it all was sort of summed up in the general vibe of John is a caring, considerate, empathetic producer who not only will you get a badass track if you work with him, but you'll also feel really good about him, the song, and yourself. And that's amazing. That's the goal. That's the goal, my man. <laughs> I appreciate you, and thank you so much for like taking the time to, to be here with me and, and hold me close. Absolutely. Um, before we, before we end this here, is there anything that you want to plug or, you know, send people to, or yeah, what, what should people check out? I'll do this. I'll do the, I'll do an anti-plug. I will, they can, they can find me. My title's (laughs) in the, my name's in the title, but my challenge to you would be wherever you feel uncomfortable. Like I want anybody listening to do something that they've been avoiding doing and do it in some form. If it's, I, I've been talking about taking a painting class and I've never done it because I suck at it. Like take a paint class, like challenge yourself in your creativity. So for me, would it be like clean my car? Yes. It would be clean your car. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> Send me pics. I want to see, I, I want to see the before and after. Um, yeah. But I, I would love is if people would, would challenge themselves to be uncomfortable in some form and then tell me how that goes. Find my name on Instagram. Just type it in. But I won't tell you the handle. I'll make them. I'll make them guess. It's only one red beard on there. <laughs> That's fair. I'm about to change my uh, name on Instagram to John McLucas just to put another red beard on there. <laughs> Don't you dare! <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, and um, yeah, we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Stateside Podcast, brought to you in part by Warner Brother Media. <laughs> Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.